Hi, it's Dean Miller, and welcome to episode 16 of Dean's List. I've been out of commission for a while. I had some surgery on my shoulder. I had a rotator cuff, I don't know, rebuilt. I guess I'm like the $6 million man. They made me stronger, better, faster. And those of you who weren't born in the 70s when that show was on, I apologize for the reference. <laughs> um, this week I was going to talk a little bit about my uh, music business history. I've alluded to it before. We've talked a lot about... Um, songwriting and making records and all those things that I've done in my life and we've barely scratched the surface so I think there's plenty of material for a lot more podcasts to come if you're open to listening to them but today I wanted to concentrate on a period of my life in the late 90s when I was signed to Capitol Records now the music business was very different then at that time they would take big chances on artists just based on whether they liked your music whether they thought you were a good singer you know people would take big gambles with big amounts of money and they don't do that as much these days unless you're a proven artist or you have a track record or a fan base but at that time i was fortunate enough to get a record deal and uh, have capital invest in me um, there's a separate story that goes with this that I won't go into, but um, Garth Brooks was on the label at that time, and they kept hiring and firing the staff based on what he needed and wanted for uh, his career. And it was uh, me and a few other artists who were kind of in a, a turmoil between changing staffs and people who didn't know our music or know us well. And so I feel like I kind of got lost in that shuffle there a little bit. But in the middle of being signed to Capitol, I made a record. And I produced this record with a guy named Greg Brown, who also produced Travis Tritt and worked with uh, Waylon Jennings and a lot of other artists. Also, I worked with Scott Hendricks, who's worked on a lot of records uh, in his time, very well known. You know, I was on the label with Keith Urban and Garth Brooks and uh, Dina Carter and a lot of other artists at the time. And they used to do this thing when they would try to get records played on the radio. Now, radio is where we all try to sell our music and get it heard by the public, or it was at that time, um, you know, it was much more important to get your song on the radio. And they would take these artists and they would have what they call showcases. And so they would put these showcases on in different places, and then they would fly radio programmers out to these cities or these travel locations or exciting places, and they would kind of wine and dine them, and then the artist would put on a show, and they'd try to impress these guys from the radio so that they might add your record. And even at the time, it seemed like kind of a futile exercise to me because these guys get free trips and free meals and free everything on the hopes that maybe they'll play the record, but there's no guarantee they will at all. So it's just a big gamble, and it was a big flood of money they put out there. But at the time, the music business was doing very, very well. It was very different than it is now, where streaming has and different aspects, and, and not to mention COVID, have really damaged and put a dent in the music business. But in the 90s, when I was on Capitol Records, it was the years of Garth Brooks' success. I would say at that time, it felt like people in the music industry were kind of drunk on their own success, and they were just throwing the money around. So I was fortunate to benefit from that. And I had made my first album, and it was really an exciting time for me. I felt very proud of it. I wrote or co-wrote all the songs on it. I helped to produce it, and I just really felt proud of this record. And we were all having meetings and discussing how we would promote the record. And I had this idea that we would try to get radio people's attention 
by bringing them to recording studios and have them sit in there, maybe have some drinks or some food and um, just mingle. And then at some point we would put my record on and play it through the big studio speakers and everybody would hear the record the way it was supposed to sound. Um, maybe I could perform a few songs acoustically and people would feel like they had uh, a studio experience as well as hearing the album and getting to know me. And then that grew into why don't we fly people to some of the most well-known studios in the country so that they can have a piece of history as well. So we decided to pick three cities and three different studios and we would have radio people from different regions come in and stay for a couple of days, wine and dine, and listen to my record. So uh, the studios that we chose were amazing, and I can't say I thought of all of them. Um, one of them was Criteria Studios in Miami, and Criteria Studios was famous for uh, the Bee Gees having recorded there, um, Pieces of Hotel California, and the song One of These Nights was recorded there by the Eagles. Uh, Eric Clapton is recorded there, uh, on and on and on and on. It's in South Beach, Miami, and it's called Criteria Studios. And we had a little concert there, and it went very well. Um, and everybody seemed to like the music. But that's another thing that people don't really realize about the music business is you play your music, and everybody says it's great, and everybody loves it, but that's because you're in the room. And as soon as you leave the room, then you get the real story. So I can't be sure what kind of impact we had with this showcase, um, but uh, when, the, when the radio programmers were in the room, I was certainly their best friend, because of course, Capitol Records was paying for the trip. So we stayed at this place, I believe it was called Turnberry Resort, which is like this luxurious, incredible place. And I always had in the back of my mind, well, you know, I knew a lot of people whose record deals had ended, right? So I thought, gosh, while I've got a chance, I'd better take advantage of every part of this I can and every experience I can have. So I asked the people at Capitol, I said, you know, what am I allowed to do at the hotel or charge to my room? And they said, anything. You can do anything the resort offers. Well, that was a mistake to tell me that because what I would do is I would get up early in the morning and I would start renting the jet skis and booking the massages and eating all the food. And I was trying to go down the list and get every single thing done I could get done at this, uh, at this resort. I mean, I'm telling you, I ate lobster and steak and everything else, including... Uh, they had cookies in the lobby, and I had a couple of cookies, and they told me they were $4 a piece. So I lived pretty high on the hog for about 48 hours. The next uh, showcase we did was in New York. The next showcase we did was in New York at a place called Electric Ladyland, which is the studio that Jimi Hendrix built in Greenwich Village. And, you know, he was only alive to use the studio for 10 weeks before his death, but it has continued to be one of the most well-known and uh, respected studios in the world. I mean, people have recorded there like Led Zeppelin and Stevie Wonder and David Bowie and U2, Kanye West, Lady Gaga, and the list goes on and on and on. And we did a very simple showcase there. I just sat in a room with a guitar on a stool and I played some songs and we played some of the album over the stereo speakers. 
And then everybody went to dinner at this steakhouse um, that the people at Capitol liked and the radio people seemed to like. So we had this big, huge, expensive steak dinner. And one of the things I remembered most from that night was uh, my producer was there and he was talking to one of the radio people. It was a, a woman from Colorado, I believe. And she was explaining to him how <laughs> when they received the records, they would play them 5 to 10% faster than they were sent to them to make the music sound, quote unquote, jazzier. <laughs> and, um, you know, I really think that the, the thinking behind that was also that if we play the music faster, we'll have more time to play advertisements and sell more advertising in a day. So I think that was really more the consideration. But my producer said to her, well, that's good to know. And I appreciate that. If I produce the records 10% faster, does that mean that you don't have to jazz up the speed when they get to you? And she just looked at him dumbfounded. She didn't get the joke. Um, but for those of you who don't know, don't take a person's record and play it faster or slower. It arrives to you the way the artist intended it to sound. So leave it alone, okay? Um, but that was a pretty exciting experience weekend in New York. Um, I believe we also visited the the record plant, which was another studio. I think it's defunct now, but I know Bon Jovi, John Bon Jovi actually worked there before he was an artist. But um, uh, yeah, we just visited that studio. We did. I don't think we did much there. Um, but uh, my memories, you know, these are 20 years old, so I don't know. But um, the big exciting part of this showcase to me was we were going to go to Capitol Records in Los Angeles. And unfortunately, the studio was booked at that time, and we were not able to use it for this showcase uh, during the time we needed it. So the person booking it asked the person on the phone at Capitol, do you know any other cool studios with a lot of history? And she said, well, there's Skywalker Ranch, which is uh, in outside of San Francisco, and that's George Lucas's place. And they do all kinds of records there, including movies and stuff. It's really cool. So I didn't know until this point that you could call Skywalker Ranch and book their recording studio, which Capitol Records did. And we had this giant showcase at Skywalker Ranch in California. It's in, I believe, Marin County, which is outside of uh, uh, San Francisco. I may be wrong about that, but I know it's outside of San Francisco. And it was a little bit of a drive. So Capitol booked like 10 limousines <laughs> and they all came to the hotel to pick up all the radio people because, of course, we're trying to impress these radio people enough to want to play my record. So we booked all these limos and Skywalker Ranch and off we all go. And I got to go in the big studio where they record all the John Williams orchestral stuff for movies like Star Wars and all the big, you know, big, huge, epic movies. And also a lot of other people had recorded there, Linda Ronstadt among them, who I don't know if people know, but Linda Ronstadt dated George Lucas for a while. They were a couple. Weird side note. But yes, uh, we would go through the halls and see all the gold records that have been recorded there, and it was pretty impressive. And then we got to go and visit the grounds of Skywalker Ranch. So we saw places where sound was edited for films and the lunchroom, and they had like a little city of condos or cottages set up so that people could stay there while they worked. And it was basically a little city in and of itself, 
Um, but you would never know from the outside. It looked very unassuming and very quaint and very charming. But once you got inside, it was all of the state-of-the-art equipment and technology and stuff used to make movies and sound for movies and sound effects and everything else. So that was my most incredible experience. And I got to perform in that studio on Skywalker Ranch for all these radio people. And... Um, and then here's the funny thing. You spend all this money, you make all this effort, and then you come back and later find out that a lot of these stations aren't playing your record. They're not supporting you. They're not uh, even, they, you know, they take the, the trip, they take the expenses, they take the experience, but they don't reciprocate with playing your record always. And I unfortunately uh, fell into that trap. They didn't play my single that we were releasing. So that happened a lot in the 90s where they would spend a fortune of money and get very little in return. Um, so it was very much of a gamble, the music business of the early days. And it's very different now. You really are self-motivated and self-driven and nobody knows where the next success is going to come from. It could come from YouTube or the internet or Spotify or something else. Um, but the music industry is very different these days. Before we run out of time, I want to introduce our regularly scheduled feature, Shameless Plug. Shameless plug, shameless plug, I'm going to make a shameless plug. Y'all want to hear a shameless plug, because I'm going to make a shameless plug. I want to let you know about my new album, 1965, which makes a great Christmas gift if you want to order a physical CD copy. I am autographing copies and sending them out in time for Christmas. All you have to do is send me a direct message through Instagram, which is Dean Miller Music. It's at Dean Miller Music. Or on my Facebook, which is at Dean Miller Music. Or you can uh, go to Twitter, which is at Dean Miller Music. And uh, just send me a note and I'll send you back how to order the CD and I'll get it to you autographed in time for the holidays. That is my shameless plug. I want to thank you all for joining me on this episode of Dean's List. It was a quick one, and we'll have more next week. And I hope you guys have a safe and happy holiday. And Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa. And if I've left anybody else out, fill in your particular holiday here. See you next time on Dean's List.